Okay, what I'd like to do is pick up the book of Ephesians as we've been walking through that. Today I'm going to look at Ephesians 5, um, continuing to use the contemporary English version. It's a paraphrase. Um, its wording is not as precise as some of the other translations, but it sure reads easy and smooth. And uh, I like that part of it. Um, sometimes it's one of those things where you may know the other wording and, and suddenly you'll get into this and you go, is that right? You know, and it, just that moment to force you to think, what's this actually saying is, is a really good opportunity. As we've walked through this book, in the first chapter, we saw some grand themes of things like being chosen or adopted or redeemed or, you know, different terms that we associate with our relationship with God and how awesome it is that He's reached out to us. There's been a turning point that came in about the middle of chapter 4 where Paul starts getting very practical and specific about the way we live. So always when we embrace Christ and we talk about this unseen relationship, it has a practical application angle that comes out in specific behavior. And so when we talk about our lives being new in Christ and the transformation that comes, it's not just up here and it's not just an acceptance issue, but it actually comes out in the way we live. And so as we walk through this, it's pretty easy to see that these folks in their culture really weren't living any better than the rest of us. In fact, if we want to say, oh, well, ours is pretty twisted and profane, you can easily find biblical example that says, uh, those folks were further down the road of deprivation than we are. Um, and, and so in this particular passage, as I mentioned last week, I want you to note the church at Ephesus became known throughout the world as kind of a, a, a flagship church. And so they actually went into application of the Word of God and applying principles of life to what they were doing. And it came out in the way of, of a very, very strong church. So as we walk through this, I just want to note that before we get into some of these specifics. In the previous chapter, Paul had been dealing with selfishness. He had been dealing with telling the truth. He had been dealing with uh, anger. He had been dealing with theft. And now he's going to get into some more things. So, Do as God does. After all, you're his dear children. So this is following this thing of anger and rage. It says, let love be your guide. Christ loved us and offered his life for us as a sacrifice that pleases God. If you're going to be calling yourself the children of God, and you're going to be embracing living as Christ lived, acknowledge that he gave his life up for others. And so the part of the call for our own lives is to be willing to sacrifice of that life for other people. And so he just lays it out and says, this is the lifestyle you're called to. You want to be like Christ? Great. Step into sacrifice. You want to live like he lived? 
Start loving others. You're God's people. So don't let it be said that any of you are immoral, indecent, or greedy. These particular words um, in the Greek language are centered around uh, sexual depravity. The first one, pornea, which we get pornography out of, uh, is more having to do with sex with single people, unmarried people, just saying, don't, don't let that be a part of your life. Don't let that, you know, people declare that about you. The second one is a little broader stroke, and it says, any other kind of depravity, you know, adultery, bestialities, you know, sodomy, homosexuality, whatever, that's kind of encompassed in that second word that would have been well-known in that region and what the Gentiles practiced. And he said, that shouldn't be a part of your lives. The third word is, hits it even further, where it, it um, sometimes gets translated as covetousness or, uh, you know, like the, in this particular translation, greed. But it's that idea of taking things to excess. And it can be lust. It, it can be... Uh, money, it can be food, it can be a whole range of things. It's just saying, don't let your life be caught, be labeled as having this as a part of it. So in other words, you know, it was like specific acts or a, a wider range. Now it's even dealing with the head and the heart. Don't, don't let this rule your life, so to speak. You know, at times in Christian life, we, we, we lock down our lives with these laws that, you know, in a sense, I don't do that. You know, and we're, you know I'm righteous because I don't do that. But inside, we may be burning. You know, and what we're participating on in the unseen region can be very, very profane. And Paul's just making a declaration, don't let that covetousness and don't let that lust, don't let that greed dominates your life. And we say, well, Lord, you're going to have to heal me. You're going to have to help me change this because that's who I am right now. He's, he's pulling us out of that and saying, this isn't, this isn't to be the mark of your life. He goes on and says, don't use dirty or foolish or filthy words. Instead, say how thankful you are. You know, I <laughs> regularly I'm challenged when I read this. I mean, because it's, I mean, there's certain acceptability even among Christian circles for coarse jesting, right? There's a certain embracing of the profane that just says, eh, yeah, it's not that big a deal. Paul's calling us to a different life. You know, and sometimes we, we justify the cynical or the sarcastic and say, it's just what's necessary for relating to others. And, and he's drawing a contrast and he's saying, why don't you spend your time giving thanks? You know, if, if the mark of your life is encouraging or lifting up, uh, that gets noted as well. I just got back from a pastor's conference. A lot of egos in one room. <laughs> one of the things that I noted is that uh, I get thrown on the defensive almost immediately by guys going, 
oh, it's really cold up there, isn't it? Get a lot of snow this year? And going, yeah, well, I love it. And uh, whether I do or not, I'm not a, there's enough ego in me. You know? you know, and I'm saying, jerk, you know. You could start with something nice. It just says there's more of me that needs to die yet. But at the same time, I'm going, how much of the time do I do that with others? Start with the insult and then on with the, the, the dialogue. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at this and Paul's going, let your speech be thankful. Let it be declaring good things. You can train yourself out of these habits. You can move away from that. It, it, it isn't really necessary for you. You don't you are going to find things to relate even if you don't visit that arena. But the truth is that the subtle insult or the put-down or the profaneness moves our thoughts and our energy into arenas that aren't building up others. They're not building up us as either. And so why go there? And so he's just, you know, he's, he's laying this out. He's... Christ sacrificed his life. Be willing to do the same. Christ was loving. Be willing to do the same. You know, we have much to be thankful for. Let that be the dominant measure of your speech. He says, being greedy and decent or immoral is just another way of worshiping idols. <laughs> yeah, those people that worship idols are weird. Paul's saying people that get caught up in greediness and immorality, and they're, they're weird. We should think of that just as profane as idol worship. You can be sure that people who behave this way will never have part of the kingdom that belongs to Christ and to God. We are called to loving, holy lifestyles. It says, don't let anyone trick you with foolish talk. God punishes everyone who disobeys him and says foolish things. So he's not letting us off the hook even yet. He keeps revisiting it and saying, you need to be aware. This isn't just left untouched by God. You used to be like people living in the dark, but now you're people of light. You belong to the Lord, so act like people of light and make light shine. Be good and honest and truthful as you try to please the Lord. Let that be the mark of your life. Don't take part in doing worthless things that are done in dark. Instead, show how wrong they are. It's disgusting even to talk about what is done in dark. But the light will show what these things really are like. Light shows everything. You know how it is in the room when you turn on the light and you see everything? He's just saying that's what happens in our lives when we embrace Christ. When Christ's light comes into us, it's as if we've been dead. New life comes, right? We awaken, and suddenly we see things as they are. God's truth, revealed by His Spirit, speaks into our hearts, and we see things differently. It's like the light has come on. With that light on, it's important then to start responding and doing what we know to do as a as part of the light. 
You know how it is at night when you get up and you stumble through the room, you know, and you're just hoping you don't mash your toe on something. You know, you're trying to stay in the middle. And then you turn on a light and you see all that needs to be picked up and cleaned and everything else. But it's, it's just the reality of, of how much more we see. And he's saying, we see a great deal more once we come to Christ. You know, what, what seemed dark and, and really wasn't even a part of our attention suddenly has our attention. And he's calling us to respond to that and say, okay, I live differently when it's daylight. I'm not just trying to survive and get by, but I'm trying to flourish. Act like people with good sense, not like fools. These are evil times. Make every minute count. Move into a disciplined lifestyle. Don't be stupid. Don't you like this translation? (laughs) Don't use that word at home. No. (laughs) At least for our kids it wasn't appropriate. Don't be stupid. Find out what the Lord's will, <laughs> what the Lord wants you to do. Don't destroy yourself by getting drunk, but let the Spirit fill your life. You know, he says, he, he, I, I like this likening of the two, where, you know, you drink a little, get a bit of a buzz, then you drink some more, and pretty soon you're really not even aware. In the Spirit, A little helps you start figuring out things that are slightly different. A lot takes you into places you never dreamed of going. In the Spirit, there's a value to it. It it moves you into wholeness rather than destroys you. And so what a wonderful contrast. Don't get drunk. You know, that's, that's a stupid lifestyle. That's part of the foolishness he was talking about. You're doing things that you shouldn't be doing. You're embracing things you shouldn't embrace. You're, you're, you're stepping into a cloudiness and a darkness that you know, later on you're going, to why? <laughs> he says, but in the Spirit, it moves you into wellness. You wake up in the morning and it's good. You know? It, it's a benefit. Let the Spirit fill your life. When you meet together, sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs as you praise the Lord. Use the name of our Lord Jesus to thank God the Father for everything. Honor Christ and put others first. Now he's going to get into a thing. He's going to deal with husbands and wives. He's going to deal with children. Not in this chapter, but the next one. He's going to deal with servants and masters. But he's saying put others first. And that's kind of like, really? Yeah, it's, it's part of that sacrificial life that he's calling us to. And he goes, a wife should put her husband first as she does the Lord. Now that's a verse, you know, it comes out a little different. There's been submission in many of the translations. There's be subject to husbands in other translations. This one's put him first. There's enough to gag you in any translation. You know, it's like, are you kidding me? Uh, and husbands, lest you think this is <laughs> her time, there's more verses regarding how you're supposed to live. 
following this. And neither is all that exciting, let me tell you. Because we're, we're being called to live differently. And just as he called us to sacrifice early in this chapter, he's calling us to live differently and to honor each other in ways that isn't lived out normally, particularly by selfish people who want their way and who want to be served. And so he, he says, well, let's read it. A husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the Savior of the church, which is his own bodies. Wives should always put their husbands first as the church puts Christ first. And so obviously, in our day in particular, that's been a brutal verse. And you know what? how, how people respond to it? Well, let's just get rid of Paul. You know, let, let's say he was irrelevant to the day. I have this picture. One day I'm going to stand before God, and I'm going to give him, you know, there's going to be a valuation of my life. And one of the hopes I have is that I'm applying the Scripture to my life in such a way that God is honored. Because I believe the Scripture is special in a unique book. If you don't buy into these verses, you can go and say, yeah, I didn't follow that. I found something on the web. And it's your choice. But <laughs> it's a decision that you really need to <laughs> wrestle with now. Because if the Bible is the Word of God, and what's been followed in this base for 2,000 years is right, uh, you need to handle that carefully. If it truly is from the Lord, then it needs to be embraced. So there, there's the challenge. Guys, it's your turn. A husband should love his wife as much as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. In other words, you are supposed to be willing to sacrifice your life for your wife. You know, isn't it interesting how um, we look at this and say, yeah, that means I'm supposed to lead the home and I'm going to lay down some rules, you know, so that, to, so that we can function better. That's intriguing because God, Christ didn't bring more law he purified us by his sacrifice. So it wasn't about setting more rules, but it was by the life that he sacrificed for us that brings our healing and cleansing. And so in that regard, what Paul's looking at and he's declaring, he says, you lay down your life for your wife so that she can be pure and holy before the Lord. You do everything you can to see her flourish in Him. It says, Christ did this so that He would have a glorious and holy church without spot, faults, wrinkles, if there are any other flaws. In the same way, a husband should love his wife as much as he loves himself. A husband who loves his wife shows that he loves himself. None of us hate our own bodies. We provide... So there's part of the thing he's putting out 
for them. Take good care of them, just as Christ does for the church. So he's laying it out, just saying, this is how I want you to live. Because we're each part of his body. And the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother, get married, because he, he becomes like one person with his wife. He says, you, if you truly are treating them like yourself, you're not going to see any variation or difference or reason for them to just treat you well. But you're going to do whatever it takes to make this thing wholesome, healthy. This is a great mystery, but I understand it to mean Christ in His church. So each husband should love his wife as much as he loves himself, and each wife should respect her husband. I want to go back to this Bible thing just one more time. Um, Some will say, well, I want the words of Christ. And in fact, many of the translations now are using just red letters for Christ's words. You know, um, (laughs) I find that appalling at several levels. One, red is harder to read, so why would you want to put the most important words difficult? That seems like stupidity to me. Put the rest of it red and that black if you have to. But, uh, you know, yeah, I'm ranting. Uh, but beyond that, what we have as a body of Scripture has been embraced as Scripture and special for, like I say, a couple thousand years. Now, I know that the Scripture was, you know, solidified in 300. I, I, I don't care about the timetable as much as I know that those books were kept and treated as special even from the beginning. Peter acknowledges Paul's writings. And so for us to kind of nickel and dime it away and say, you know, we got a better insight. Yeah, we're sure living that out, aren't we? As a culture? Oh yeah, it's the health in our churches. Really? I mean, do you really want to go there? What can we point to as far as health in our marriages, health in our community, health in our churches that says that we really have more voice than what the New Testament writers had? I just don't buy it. So in that regard, I go back to the Scripture and I say it's all precious. And I need to treat it as precious. And I need to be willing to invest my life into it and let it speak to me through the Holy Spirit. Is it the Holy Spirit? No. But it was written by the voice of God. And so it has the power of God upon it. And as the Holy Spirit gives it life to us, it becomes alive again. It's impossible for me to tell you how many times I've been reading and it's like, my own heart is just pricked by something and it's like, this thing's speaking life to me. I need to change direction now (laughs) because this suddenly has revealed who I am and what's going on in me and it's not good, but I I see with the light on what needs to be. And I encourage you, make it habit to invest in the Scripture, all of it. And it's just like, oh, we don't read the Old Testament because, you know, before Christ, and now He's here. 
Yeah, well, Christ was reading it. So were the disciples. All the New Testament leaders, they embraced it. Well, there might be a little bit of value in there for you too. Take the whole body and use it as value for your life. Treat it as the special book that it is. I'm quitting for today. We'll pick up chapter 6 next week, hopefully. Why don't you stand with me? We thank you for your scripture that brings light to our lives and life. We thank you that whether things are embraced by our society or culture or not is irrelevant to the fact that you've declared truth and given it in written form for us to discover and appreciate and to incorporate into our lives. Lord, as we've looked at this passage, I pray that you would help us to move into that area of sacrificial lifestyle, willing to see others flourish, investing in others, giving up of our lives that others may grow in you. Thank you that you've done that for us. Thank you, you were willing to die that we might live. Amen. It's my belief that God, that Paul honed in on the marital relationship in regard to putting others first in a sacrificial lifestyle because that's the closest relationship of life. And if we can get it right there, then we can get it right in other settings. But the reality is, is that... <laughs> You're not living with a perfect person. And the easiest thing to do is to put the blame on them and say, well, when they do this, then I will. That's not what the scripture calls us to. You can only change yourself. And you're accountable to the Lord for what you do. And so that means that you have to embrace what he's speaking to you about, whether they ever get it right or not. It's not the issue. God deals with your heart on the issues that he wants you to deal with. And so as we walk through these things, we pray, God, the heart says, this is not what I want. And yet there has to be a confidence that says, what he calls me to is worthy and worthwhile. He's worthy of it. Whatever he calls me to is worthwhile. And as we respond to it, there is a joy of life that comes and a beauty to life that happens in no other way. But it takes a profound trust in Him to say, okay, I'm walking into this, even though I don't see how it's going to come out in life. Sacrifice unto death, unto life. Part of what we're called to. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for them. May they discover with joy what it means to put others first and to sacrifice their lives for others. Let us be marked by your love. Truly be a loving people. Lord, I pray as we go out into the community that you'll give us words of life to speak over others. I pray that you will help us to carry out the deeds of your kingdom. I pray that we will be enabled with the supernatural. Be exalted, we pray. We love you this day.
Amen. Amen. It's going to be opportunity for prayer. It's easiest if you come up here or just wait around long enough. Somebody will get to you. Uh, there is a meal downstairs. God bless you. Students, have a great summer. Come back with victories to share with us. We look forward to that. God bless you.